भद्रम कर्णे शृणुयाम देवा भद्रम पश्येमाक्षस्तनूभि व्यशेम देवित यदायु स्वस्तिनाइंद्रो वृद्धश्रवा स्वस्तिना पूषा विश्ववेदा स्वस्तिनस्ताक्ष्यो अरिष्टने स्वस्ति नो बृहस्पतिर्दा ओं शाति 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 Good evening everybody. Um so in the fourth chapter of the Mandukya Karika we were in the section where Gaudapada was reiterating the teachings on Advaita Vedanta and you know he has his own style of teaching Advaita Vedanta the same Advaita Brahman alone is reality the world is an appearance and you are none other than Brahman same Advaita but he teaches it by a critique of causality. Uh, by a, a critique of causality um that cause and effect are not ultimately real um so we were discussing this now you know uh, before i go on with the with the discussion there is a little diversion but important point i would like to discuss once in a while it's good to discuss this point the point is this that when you come across these teachings of advaita vedanta uh, especially the way gaudapada puts it uh, it can be disturbing there are different reactions to it uh, or oh, the recording is not on yes thank you for mentioning it shekharan kiran ji yes so when we have these different uh, there we have different reactions to advaita vedanta one is if you like it the way gaudapada is teaching it they are good for you some really like it and they enjoy it and they are, they are very happy with it and it's really, really a sort of um liberating experience a, a kind of uh, you feel a, a freedom uh, 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 an expansion even before long before enlightenment but you you feel it's so wonderful there is another reaction that i understand what is being taught but then it's disturbing because then what happens to my devotional practices my belief in god uh, everything that i hold uh, uh, true in my spiritual life in my religious life it seems to be under question so that's another reaction there's another reaction also that i have found this like a hammer you know wonderful philosophy i can criticize everybody and prove everybody to be false a kind of uh, argumentative uh, vedantid so these are different reactions and uh, people do get Uh, disturbed by this kind of a teaching not just if if, if you feel disturbed don't worry you are not alone uh, all the way back to gaudapada's time there were many many uh, people including many great philosophers who felt very disturbed by gaudapada um, so it is in this perspective that i want to share something with you just yesterday day for yesterday i got a very interesting email from revered swami atmarupananda ji who is the swami in charge in, in houston so he addresses exactly this issue for certain reason he had written the email to me it's an important caution so with his, i i took his permission i said i will read out this email before all the students of the mandukya class and this is a very timely warning let us say so let me read out the email 
So, I am reading out Swami Atmarupanandiji's email. For some time, I have been getting questions from people across the country and from India asking variations of this. I understand that the self is the one reality, that all else is appearance, even God. But then why was I given a mantra and ishta? And what do I do with them when the truth is Advaita? Some of them have a clear orientation towards Advaita and so I give them one sort of answer. Many, however, are not really oriented that way, naturally, but have become convinced that it is true. And then they feel that the mantra and the ishta are therefore unreal. They are then left in confusion and demotivated. And for some, Advaita has become a means for arguing against everything. Not as a foundation for sadhana, it has only a negative effect tending towards nihilism. It was the uh, glibness of many who profess Advaita uh, that I, I am reacting against. The, uh, the next element, my earliest memory from when I was two years old was not a spiritual experience of course, but it was an intimation of Advaita and since then that has always called to me whenever I encountered whispers of it in literature or in science. I haven't gone far, but it is what I love, naturally love, I am sure from previous births. So here he is talking about his own love for Advaita. But lately, I have felt a current of devotion, also natural, rising within, much more than usual. And that has made me realize that no one worships a Vyavaharika or transactional God. It is reality they are worshipping. Yes, even as they progress on the path of Bhakti, their conception of God evolves, but it is the ideal they are seeking, the vision of the ideal that evolves. And even those who attain to a non-dualistic state through devotion, return with love for God, not rejection of God, as merely transactional or as an appearance due to ignorance. They speak in terms of being lost in the heart of God, not of transcending an appearance. For one seeking the self, Advaita is clear and correctly so. It puts everything to one side, leaving the radiant purity of the non-personal self alone. That is its beauty, at least to me. But that alone does not facilitate devotion. It contradicts it. No matter how we parse the words Vyavaharika and Paramarthika and within Maya and beyond Maya, etc. That I understand now in a way I never did before is why Sri Ramakrishna was so deliberate in framing his teachings when he was speaking to those who were devotional by nature. Alright, I am sure you have listened to that carefully. This is very uh, appropriate and timely because we were doing the verse number uh, 42 and 43 uh, where Gaurapada says, what about those who insist that the world is real? Why do they insist? Because it's perceptible, upalambhat, and also because of the orderliness of nature, uh, the laws of nature, and for ethical, moral reasons, uh, samacharat. For these two reasons, they insist world is real. And they want to follow a dualistic religion. What about them? Gaurapada says that uh, uh, Alpadosha. 
So, it is wrong, but the fault is very small and no harm will come to them because through that they will come to Advaita. So, that is the space that Advaita makes for devotion, for dualistic religion. It does not dismiss it, but clearly it is little condescending and a little that uh, sort of secondary. You are made to feel that I am not good enough for Advaita, therefore I have to follow this. Or I am a coward, he says, Trasantam, those who are terrified of Advaita. Uh, they, I am a coward so that I, I have to rely on God and therefore until I am ready for Advaita, I have to sort of, uh, until I am ready to climb to the peak of Mount Everest, I have to stay in base camp. So that kind of, uh, as Swami Atmarupanji says, it does not help devotion. Who wants to be second best? best? If you are devoting your entire life to a particular practice, Ishta Devata Mantra, you want that it should be the highest. It should not be second, that I will practice for some time, then something better will come along. No, no, not like that. So, Sri Ramakrishna's solution to this was, this is an important insight, which he has shared there, was that, that the path of Advaita is independently takes you to realization. And don't consider bhakti from the aspect of Advaita. Take bhakti as an independent real path in itself, as the bhakti shastras themselves say. So, what you are dealing with in bhakti, your Ishta Devata, God, is real, is ultimately real. What will happen is, that as we progress on the path of bhakti, our understanding, our realization of God will become deeper and deeper. And one day the Advaitic realization, if God wants, will God will give us that Advaitic realization. Hmm. Alright. If anybody has anything to say about this, this is something to keep in mind, just for not for the time being, but because many of us have devotional practices. I also said something else uh, yes, uh, yesterday, that through devotional practices, by devotion to God, one may actually come to this realization. And I know of people who have come to this realization, Advaitic realization through devotion. Before we proceed, any comments or? There are many questions. Let me see. <laughs> Oops. Uh, starting with Prabhupada. Babu. Yes. Hello, I'm Marat. Yes. I don't know, I have so many questions now, they got all jumbled up, especially what you just said. <clears throat> but let me address what uh, you just said. I think people who are afraid of Advaita, uh, I think, and I'm talking from a personal side, that they love God, they don't, they uh, obey their guru or their mantra for the wrong reason. If I love God, if I love my guru, if I love my mantra, then Advaita cannot shake me from my basic principle. Um, because I cannot see myself uh, ever detached from my mantra or my guru. Right. So. Right. Correct. So I don't think as um, you have a problem with uh, Advaita. So there is a whole group of people who have no problem with this at all. They enjoy these teachings. And that's all right. And that's good. But there are many who uh, who think about this seriously and have deep questions about it. That's why I put up Atmarupanji's uh, uh, email, the excerpt from it. Then who else is there? Girish. Hi. Uh, Swamiji. Yes. My question is, uh, once again, following up on uh, uh, on, on Ramakrishna, etc. Uh, and Gaudapada. Ramakrishna and Vivekananda were, were absolutely not strict Advaitins. In fact, Ramakrishna has been quoted as saying 
why should the universe be real? It is it is a speculation of the philosophers. Unreal. Why should there it should be unreal? Yeah. So how would the how would the Ajatavadi Gaudapada, who has effectively refuted Buddhism and duality, refute the more encompassing um, Vijnanavada philosophy of? Uh, wouldn't, uh, wouldn't. Let's take one example. Um, Swami Vivekananda, I was just thinking about this. In his song of the Sannyasin, he says uh, about the law of karma uh, that um, good, good, bad, bad, and none escape the law, but whosoever f- wears the form wears the chain too. That means if you have a body and mind produced by karma, you have to uh, accept the effects of karma. But far beyond name and form is Atman ever free. No, thou art that Sannyasin. Uh, no, thou art that Sannyasin bold. Say Om Tatsat Om. So that's the um, stanza from Swami Vivekananda's poem. Now, Gaurapada seems to be going totally against this because when he says good, good, and bad, bad, none escape the law, Gaurapada is saying there is no cause, there is no effect. Whole, the whole law of karma is an appearance. And there is no question of being bound by this. Um, so. Uh, neither is there any uh, ultimately good action producing or bad action producing a body. Uh, neither is there any, any you know, like name and form and you are trapped by a chain. No. But actually they are saying the same thing. The key to understanding Gaudapada is that he is always speaking from the absolute standpoint. He is always speaking from the Paramarthika standpoint. In this particular case, how will you reconcile Swami Vivekananda and Gaudapada? Take the last line of that stanza. Far beyond name and form is Atman ever free. No, thou art that sannyasi board. Now, Gaurapada starts from there. So, Atman is ever free of causality. Good, good, bad, bad, none escape the law. Does it affect the Atman? No. From Atman's point of view, is there any such law? No. Because ever free, those words are very key. Swami Vivekananda is much more kind to us. He takes the journey from our end. Vivekananda does that. Shankaracharya does that. So from our perspective, step by step, up to that realization. Gaudapada is sitting there on the top of the roof and then shouting down to us, Come, take a jump, come here. Forget those ladders and without the ladder, how will we climb up there? We are, the ladder is not, not the objective. The roof is the objective. But the ladder is necessary. So that is the uh, way to reconcile Shankaracharya, Vivekananda on one hand and Gaudapada. Gaudapada is a very super specialized perspective. Yes, the truth, the raw truth only and from, from Turiya perspective he is speaking all the time. I will just say, in Uttarakhand I met this sadhu. Uh, I was talking about Shankaracharya and Gaudapada. In fact, we are discussing Mandukya, which is a hot favorite for sadhus in Uttarakhand. So, um, that sadhu was saying admiringly about Gaudapada. Gaudapada ji to phakkar mahatma hai. So phakkar there, high in the Himalayas, lower down in the plains, phakkar means a person who is a loafer, uh, uh, um, like a, uh, you say, like, like a homeless guy who is wandering. And, uh, like. But high in the Himalayas, a phakkar sadhu is a person who is desperate, you know, that doesn't care anything about the world, just wants God realization. So Gaudapada ji to bahut phakkar mahatma hai. Um, then I asked if Gaudapada is like that, then what about Shankaracharya? The sadhu replied, Shankaracharya to Jagat Guru hai na? Shankaracharya is the Jagat Guru, teacher of the world. So, teacher of the world has to take all the students into account. 
the slow ones, the medium ones, the quick ones, all have to be taken into account and taken to the goal. Uh, yes. I have a second second half of this thing in the sense that how would Gaudapada refute a more modern theology, let's say? Uh, for example, uh, uh, David uh, uh, Chalmers' uh, uh, favorite, panpsychism and cosmopsychism, especially yeah. cosmopsychism. Yeah. I just read a paper by Ayan Maharaj yes, uh, yes. talking yeah. about cosmopsychism and, and Vivekananda's philosophy. Yeah. So where basically it is similar in the sense, as I understand it, that there is a universal consciousness yes. and it is reflected even in non-sentient beings. Yes. How would, how would uh, Gaudapada, if you could transpose him? Think about it. See, but don't use Gaudapada as a hammer to knock down panpsychism or cosmopsychism. Panpsychism is a half-baked philosophy. It's important because it, it, is, uh, it is needed to break free of materialistic uh, reductionist scientific thing, uh, understanding of consciousness. But in itself, panpsychism is riddled with uh, problems, which is why many people uh, reject it. Many philosophers today reject it. They will not listen, but just about every problem with panpsychism can be fixed. I mean, it's so easy from an Advaitic perspective, it can be fixed. Of course, no, nobody is going to listen to uh, uh, a peculiar philosophy from ancient India. They think they have come up with very modern understandings here in uh, Manhattan in the 21st century. Not at all. I mean, it's crude compared to what we have in Gaudapada. Gaudapada is several steps beyond all this. But you just uh, think about it. What would Gaudapada say? Cosmopsychism. You are giving reality to cosmos and then saying consciousness pervades the cosmos as a fundamental reality. Panpsychism says that. But as a fundamental feature of the universe, consciousness is there. That's the big step that um, panpsychism takes over thinking of consciousness as an emergent property or something. Um, Gaudapada takes consciousness to be fundamental. Even your cosmos, Gaudapada dismisses it. Where is this cosmos? That's the whole discussion we are having. Yeah. All right, we'll keep it at that. Let, just, let me deal with one question. Um, because Rodrigo got in first. Where do premonitory dreams um, brought borrow from to create experiences in the waking? If you remember, we have had these this question a number of times. It's typical when you talk about waking, dreaming and deep sleep. I wonder if you remember this question. The question is, you keep, it's implied that you are saying dreams are false, but sometimes dreams turn out to be true. I saw this and I met this person and uh, in my dream and next day that person turns up whom I have not seen in years. Or I saw a relative being ill and next day I receive a phone call, that particular relative is ill. So the dream turns out to be true. How do you say dreams are false? We have to be a little philosophical, a little rigorous in thinking. What do I mean by dreams are true? And what does Gaudapada mean when he says dreams are false? We have discussed this more than once. So what is the answer to this question? And what would be Mandukya's perspective on this? I should uh, outsource this answer now, by now. Anybody willing, if, uh, if you, all right, let me just give you the answer in brief. Premonitions are what? By the very definition of the word premonition is something that will happen in the future in your waking state 
you get a clue or an experience in your dream state. And it, it is confirmed by something that happens in the waking state. So, on this, per, uh, on this basis, we loosely say, so the dream was true. That does not mean the dream was true. See, for example, I've said it again and again. So, uh, somebody uh, gives you um, a, a, a chocolate uh, in your dreams, your favorite candy from Switzerland or something and comes and gives you in your dream. And next day in the morning, that person actually comes and gives you the chocolate in, in, in your, when you, he comes and meets you and gives you that chocolate. And you say it was true, the dream was true. But was it? Uh, what was true about it? If, remember, if it was true that the person had come and given you a chocolate in the dream, then you would have two chocolates. One which he gave you in the dream and next he came and gave you it in the waking state. No. All you mean by true is what I saw in the dream predicted correctly what happened in the waking state. That's all you, all you mean. Not that it actually happened in the dream. Whatever happens in the dream is not true anyway. I hope this basic point is, is, is just, I mean, let alone logic, is absolutely common sense. So, dreams are not true. Nobody, and doesn't take Gaudapada, nobody, none of us, none, not even the person who is asking the question, takes the dream to be true. What you mean by the truth of dreams is, does it accurately predict a truth of the waking state? Or it does not. How does it predict? That is, uh, if you ask Vedanta, Vedanta will say there is a cosmic mind and they were all connected. And the cosmic mind, for the cosmic mind, time is you know, past, present and future. It views all equally and sometimes you get some information there, some leakage from the cosmic mind into your, uh, as a dream. Sometimes there are spiritual dreams also which are wonderful. So, that way. And the important thing is, what would be Gaudapada's perspective, Mandukya's perspective on this? Not interested. You see, Gaudapada or the Mandukya is not interested in the contents of our dreams. What you saw, whom you met, what happened in the dream is not important. Gaudapada is interested in to whom is it happening, who is the experiencer of it, who is illumining the dream. It's a very simple move, turning away from the subject, object to the subject. This move is essential, it's very simple, but it's essential for Advaita. If you are too interested in the object, then this path is not for you. We will keep slipping back into the object. See, in our experience, all our experience, the structure is subject and object. I experience something. The way, so our generally we are engrossed in the world of objects and that is samsara. Very difficult to pull us out from that. Then we become aware of ourselves and then we inquire into who am I. That's where Advaita begins. Ancient times also. First, religion was about what is the reality of this world. I spoke about it in the macrocosm, microcosm lecture. First inquiry, what was the reality of this world? Is there a God behind this world? And then the deeper inquiry became, what am I? Who is asking this question? Who am I? That led to Sankhya and Yoga and uh, Buddhism and Jainism and Advaita, all of that. Even in science, just see that Interest in consciousness, our nature, has come about only in the last 20-30 years. Real serious investigation. The science of consciousness, consciousness studies has taken off only last 20-30 years. Before that, no scientist was seriously interested in studying consciousness. Imagine, the thing which is closest to us, which is our very nature, we, science had no interest in it. Eagerness to study the body, the world outside and the furthest reaches of the cosmos, the vastest and the tiniest object. Uh, 
it shows an instinctive nature of the human being. As we become more sophisticated and we inquire, then we turn inwards. So, okay, leave it at that. Now, let me make some progress and I'll come back again. We'll hold on to the questions. Number 44. Upalambhat samacharat maya hasti yathochyate Upalambhat samacharat asti vastu tathochyate Translation of 44. As an elephant conjured up by magic is called an elephant by depending on perception and adequate behavior, so from the facts of perception and adequate behavior, a thing is said to be existing. So earlier he had been using the example of dreams, now he's shifting to a new example. Nice example, magic elephant. So I guess in ancient Indian magic shows, uh, maybe they conjured up elephants. Uh, he, nowadays they pull a rabbit, proverbial rabbit out of a hat. So I think they pulled elephant out of turban, I don't know what. Uh, so because of the appearance and the behavior, the elephant looks so big and menacing and maybe it's trumpeting and it's swinging its trunk and walking around. So the child who sees this magic show feels terrified and starts crying. But the parents are aware. What are they aware? Though it looks like an elephant and it behaves like an elephant. It looks like an elephant. Upalambhat. You perceive it. Behaves like an elephant. Samacharat. Adequate or correct behavior is also matching. So it must be an elephant. The child thinks so. But the parents know the magician is behind it. As Sri Ramakrishna used to say, magician alone is real, not the magic. The parents know that. Notice, both parents and child are seeing the same thing. They are not seeing two different things. But the child thinks that the elephant is real and it gets scared by it. And the parents do not get scared, though they are having the same experience. So, what was the verse? Upalambhad, because of perception, samacharat, because of behavior, trumpeting and swinging the trunk and so on and so forth. Hasti yathauchyate, maya hasti, maya by, here maya means magic. Similarly, because of perception and behavior, people insist that the world outside exists. This is number 44. 45. So, what's the reality? Uh, which is the so, substratum? See, whenever there is an appearance, there must be something real. If there is a false snake, if you insist that's not a snake, then you have a right to ask, what is it really then? Uh, if it's not water in the desert, what is it really then? If it is um, not, um, so anything, if you insist it's an appearance, uh, then you have to explain what is the reality then? What is it that is appearing? So here, what is it that is appearing? Turiyam, 45. Jatyabhasam chalabhasam Vastvabhasam tathaivacha Ajachalam avastuttvam Vijjanam shantam advayam It is consciousness, birthless, motionless and non-material as well as tranquil and non-dual which has the semblance of birth appears to move and simulates a substance possessed of qualities. When we see outside the world, what do we see? Jati, origination. Jati here always for Gaudapada means origination, creation, cause and effect, birth, existence, death. We see that. Jati abhasam. Abhasam means appearance. Not really born, appears to be born. The lion which was chasing me in the plains of Africa, it, 
that lion must have been born from its parents, but not really. It just appears. Then chalabhasam, change. Uh, it is appears. There is an appearance of change in the world. Uh, the lion must have been a lion cub and then it grew up young lion and then a mature lion and then it found Sarvapriyananda and chased him through the plains of Africa. I am referring to my dream yesterday as I have mentioned. Chalabhasam, changes. We are child, youth, middle age, old age and death. So the Shadvikara, sixfold changes from birth to death. This is Chala, that means change. Vastuabhasam. Seems to be an independent, vastu means a dravya, substance existing independently by itself. What? That lion, that tree, this body. But when, when I woke up from the dream, no, it's just the mind which appeared in all these ways. Similarly, what is there in this world? That's a dream example. But what is Gaudapada saying? This world is also like that. Jatyabhasam, as if appearing. Um, then uh, Chalabhasam, uh, as if changing. And uh, vastu abhasam, as if independent real objects. Imagine, in the dream actually, there was no real origination of anything. Neither the lion, nor the swami there, nor the tree. There was really no change going on. That lion chasing, swami running, no. And really no uh, vastu, independent entities there. So what is real then? Real in this world is Turiyam. What is the nature of Turiyam? Ajam, unborn. Consciousness is not born, neither does it give rise to anything else. It is only consciousness. Achalam, without any change, does not arise or disappear. That was the main contention between the non-dualist Gaudapada and the Buddhist subjectivist. Uh, consciousness is not subject to birth and des destruction. Vastuabhasam, uh, avastuttvam, he says, it is not an entity, a separate individual entity, you know, like a body which has possessed stuff. Um, Shankaracharya gives examples. Devadatta. Devadatta is born. Uh, Devadatta uh, is moving around. And Devadatta is fair and tall. Uh, these are the qualities. There is an object or a person called Devadatta and he has got these qualities. Such is not the nature of consciousness. It is not a thing with qualities. That is number 45. And that is the reality. What is Gaudapada claiming? That is the reality of this world. What, what we are experiencing now. That consciousness appears to be a multiplicity of entities which are born and changing and dying, which are independent things in the world. And that same consciousness. Okay. Then number 46. Evam na jayate chittam evam dharma ajasmrita evam eva vijananto napatanti viparyaye In this way, consciousness has no birth and all the beings, the jivas, who are consciousness alone, they are also, they are not undergoing birth. That means there is no, oh, let me translate. Thus are the souls considered to be birthless. Those who know thus indeed do not fall into calamity. Uh, number 46. So consciousness is not born. That means it's neither a cause nor an effect. We jivas, we are not, we actually never become jivas. We are consciousness, though we appear to be jivas. Remember, to understand this, exactly like the dreamer, that I was 
happily lying down safe and sound in my room in Manhattan, but appeared to be um, in Africa and in lot of trouble being chased by a lion in the dream. And so this whole concept of birth and rebirth is ultimately not true. Consciousness is not undergoing birth and rebirth. It is not true that we are undergoing a cycle of birth and rebirth and then at one time we will be free of it. Uh, thanks to Gaudapada or somebody. No. When we are free of it, we will realize we always were free of it. There at no time was there really consciousness embodied and going through births and rebirths. Um, I have told this story earlier, a humorous uh, story that um, um, one of our Swamis was very interested in at one time that all the, the dharmic religions speak about multiple births and rebirths going through the cycle of rebirth and then have to we have to get free of it this is the whole project and yet there are these um, uh, Abrahamic religions which speak of one birth and then eternal life whether in heaven or hell or something now which is true is there one birth clearly this birth is there that we know but is it a part of a series of births and deaths or is there only one birth one birth and one death so he was discussing this and uh, this was in our little hut a little ashram in uh, Uttarkashi so other swamis in that little ashram soon got tired of these discussions and they didn't pay any attention to this swami so he took his debate outside our ashram to a nearby ashram where there was a very great non-dualist uh, swami who was teaching Advaita so he went and talked, you have to talk in Hindi there. So Punar Janma and all this, whether, whether there is multiple births or not, Punar Janma hai ya nahi. Then that Swami listened patiently, that non-dualist non teacher, and then he said, I'll tell you in Hindi and translate. Mahatma ji, jab janma hi nahi, to Punar Janma kahe ka, aap mandukya padhiye. Oh Swami, when there is no birth itself, where is the question of rebirth? Please read mandukya. So this Swami came back and told me the story and he was furious. He says, these fellows, Advaitins, you cannot have a serious discussion about important topics, whether we have many lives or one life, you cannot discuss. They'll immediately go to Brahman and Turiya and Maya. <laughs> yes. Alright, we'll take a short break to look at questions right now because he is going to switch, um, start a new topic now. Forty-seven. Yeah. All right. Let's see. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Uh, Swamiji, this is like an extension um, of what you said yesterday in class, and then the email that you read out this morning. So you also mentioned another point yesterday about uh, even when we actually worship Sarvana Brahman, it's actually it's the same reality except we view it as an object then. Hmm. So, you made this point yesterday. So, that means that in the course of Upasana, as a devotee maybe progresses on the path, eventually it leads to, you could say, subject merging in the object. That is what happens and that is how it leads to Advaitic realization there. Well, no, not really. In the dualistic path, what will happen is that the reality behind the object, what is the object? Your objective universe this universe which you are experiencing. All of us have the same structure of experience, I and this, subject and object. Now what the dualist does is, behind this entire objective universe, 
the reality, the power behind all of this is God, the Divine Mother, Shiva, Narayana, whatever. So that is called Saguna Brahman. And I worship and surrender to this all-encompassing, all-loving, benevolent power. Now what will happen is, over time, this will become a reality, not just a question of believing in something. Just as you see this objective universe as real, uh, you see it and you feel it is real, you will feel the God of this objective universe is also real. And that God will become more and more real. This objective universe will become sort of like a shadow compared to the reality. The presence of God will become the greatest thing in your life. So that reality will become manifest uh, to you. Uh, your limitations as a, as a limited human being, that will become unimportant to you. To the point that you will feel, not I, but thou my Lord. That Lord which is very clear to you now, the presence of that God. It will be so uh, amazing, um, uh, overpowering, that your own little existence will not matter anymore. Sri Ramakrishna would say, Naham, Naham, Tuhu, Tuhu. Not me, not me, thou my Lord, thou my Lord. So it's a kind of, you might say, emergence of the limited individuality into that reality. Yes. Uh, who is next? Okay, we have a number of people asking questions, so please keep your question short and to the point. Uh, yeah, I basically... Oops. Hi, Swami. Hello, yes. Thank, yes, uh, first of all, I want you to thank you because I had a little bit of a struggle with the fourth chapter and what you said earlier really relieved me of uh, feeling bad of my struggle with the fourth chapter. I've been with you almost from the beginning of the mandala class. Yes. And always enjoyed it with Gaud uh, always enjoyed Gaudapada and his uh, not beating around the bush, but I really struggled with the fourth chapter. So I'm really grateful for you mentioning that uh, the struggle is normal for some people. And uh, just one quick question um, about uh, self-realization in uh, in duality you mentioned yesterday that uh, even though there is self-realization there remains some sort of individuality what you also just said to to ramya yes so some kind of individuality may remain as atma rupanji says some kind sometimes the devotee may forget his or her own individual existence in the awesome presence of god he used some language like being, they use language like being lost in the heart of God. But they again come back to a sense of individuality and they come back with love for God. Yes, a certain sense of individuality is mentioned, is, is retained. Otherwise, you cannot have dualistic worship. But they still will be liberated? Of course. Depends on what your liber liberation means. Is it freedom from the cycle of... Yes, definitely. Then you will be liberated. Yes. All right. Thank yes. you. Who is next? Nita. Nita, you have to unmute. Pranam Swamiji. Yes. Uh, let me see if I can be brief. So one of the things that I struggle with uh, Mandukya, um, it sort of makes sense, but then I realize, okay, out of the three states, uh, two states I can resolve, my sleeping state and uh, dreaming state. and. It's always the waking state when he's very erect and says all this is unreal. And it looks uh, pretty daunting to at times, you know, when you're dealing with life issues and uh, things on the ground. But then um, 
I don't know if I'm oversimplifying, but I always look forward to going to sleep. And I know when I'm deep sleep, this whole prapancha, whatever I feel it during the day, good, bad, ugly, all vanishes. And um, I so look forward to it every night and probably most people do. Then why do I struggle with his, I mean, he's saying something pointing to me in my daily experience and, uh, and kind of telling me what happens, no matter what happens during the day, it all vanishes and you love it. And then you come back and you want to hold on to whatever you think is your day, day punch. Is that um, kind of what is hinting at by our night experience and uh, kind of dissolving the world and telling us that, uh, you know, this is kind of a, um, uh, I don't know, condensed version of what the big life from uh, birth to death is all about. Hmm. Yes. Your approach is correct. What you are doing is, uh, Punita ji, is, is uh, you are basically, you have taken the structure which Mandukya Upanishads has given us, waking, dreaming, deep sleep, and I am the witness of the three. If you keep meditating on this, meditating means thinking about it, as you are thinking about it, it will come, the flash will come. What is the flash? That I am the unaffected witness of all these three. I am the unaffected witness of all of these three. They come and go in my light and they have no existence apart from me. It's so, uh, what I see in the waking state is exactly what was there in the deep sleep state also. And that, what I see in the waking state, in the unfurled way, absolutely in all its glory and its terrible dimensions, it is in front of me, all that disappears into a blankness in deep sleep. But whatever was there in deep sleep is exactly what is there in, in the waking state now. There it was unmanifest, now it is manifest. I, the witness consciousness, am uh, free of these things. Free means they come and go. I don't come and go. When the waking step, state goes away, this which is so real, you see, I find it daunting. Why do I find it daunting? Because I consider it real. Do you, did you pay attention to my dream experience, Africa and the lion chasing me? I found it daunting. Now, you may find it very funny that Swami is running on the plains of Africa with a lion chasing. But why do you find it funny? And I also find it funny now. But why did I find it, found it, find it uh, daunting when I was in that situation. Because I considered that situation to be real. There is a real lion apart from me. This body is real. That tree is real. Now this body has to run up that tree. Otherwise it will be torn apart by the lion. All of this was very real to me. But though, I, though it was very real and I, I, would have, I would have debated you if you had challenged me at that time. But now I have to admit after waking up, none of it was real. All of it was an appearance. What was real? The mind which was dreaming. Similarly, in the waking state, what is real? You, the consciousness. The way to do it is this. Ask yourself, when I find it daunting, do I find it daunting as Punita or do I find it daunting as Turiya? Turiya is not daunted by anything that happens in Punita's life. But Punita, the person is daunted by what is going on, by the behavior of other persons, by personal issues, health, finance, all of these things. The consciousness, Turiya, is not daunted by any of it. Always take the stand, like Gaudapada is teaching us, at the consciousness, to whom waking, dreaming and deep sleep are appearing and disappearing. 
one practice is like this as you said that you find it very peaceful in deep sleep and you look forward to that dissolution of all problems and worries in deep sleep now that's a very good thing in the waking state also try to think that it's exactly like the deep sleep these differences which have appeared that annoying person this problem that problem they are all nothing covered by the the blankness of deep sleep then navigate your way through the waking state you see it's a good practice what i'm saying to you is here in the troublesome waking state there is not one thing more than there was in the blissful deep sleep state there is no one extra item good or bad here actually then what was there in the deep sleep think about it who is next ajit pranam swami ji yes uh, i just wanted to follow up on the question i had yesterday about uh, where in the upanishads does ajatavada come and you said it does not come up anywhere and he is explaining no i said it comes up everywhere it is ajatavada is the Uh, derivation the interpretation of the upanishad by gaudapada yes uh, so but but say even in mandukya say for example in verse number 7 uh, he they they say prapancha upasham or even it starts with the that om is verily all of this yes so they if the world was not uh, never uh, happened yes and it was never born hmm. how would they talk about the cessation of the world ha ah, cessation of the world how real world and then the, the destruction of the world are they talking about that or an imagined world of error whose cessation is only possible by knowledge how what do you know how do you know what is the right interpretation look at the end of the seventh mantra the end of the seventh yeah. mantra is savigeyaha that has to be known it has to be realized it's not that the world has to be destroyed the once you realize the turiyam that i am the turiya then prapancha upashama happens by itself how is it possible that by knowing the uh, turiya that i am the turiya the universe will cease only if it is only if the universe was a false universe born of error knowledge can correct error but if it was a real universe knowledge could not destroy it you would only know it a real universe would be known by knowledge but knowledge comes only the false universe will disappear see prapancha upashama applied to the dream example lion tree africa swami running terrified internal external full of problems externally lion is chasing internally terror is there fear is there the whole thing disappeared prapancha upashama how did it disappear no i i understand that huh. my my point was that can't it be argued philosophically that since the upanishad says prapancha upashama they also take a world for granted and then there could have been an argument that the world is also there but i you didn't hear what i said if they take a world for granted then they if the world is real then by knowing something it will not help it's not ha so we no then it will be um, you have to be tameva uh, prapadyam that you have to worship and surrender to that turiya who is the lord of this real universe only that lord can save you because by knowing it what will happen nothing 
by knowing the real snake, um, nothing, it's just going to chase you around. <laughs> but if it's a false snake, then you know the rope, it will liberate you from the, uh, from the false snake. So, so from that, all of the previous things in the first mantra that Om is all of this, and yes. it is beyond time and everything, Yes. all of that is just uh, uh, like building up to this seventh mantra. Yes, yes. Om also. So Om has four aspects. Atma has four aspects. Chatushpad Atma. But Shankaracharya explains there, Maya Sankhya Turiyam. He says, fourth is the reality. Yeah. And it is fourth only by Maya Sankhya. This is the language of Shankaracharya. Maya Sankhya means by a false counting of one, two, yeah. three. The one, two, three are appearances. Yeah. They are not at the same level of reality. Once there in seventh mantra and understanding this, the previous mantras also are kind of just building up to this. Yes. So the seventh mantra shows that this is the reality and the others are appearances. But it has to be done like that. Uh, so otherwise, it will not help us. We will not be free of it. We are aware of waking, dreaming and deep sleep at most and nothing else. The Turiya is right here, but we are not aware of it. So, that has to be pointed out somehow. If you directly tell, you are Brahman, what Brahman? No, start where you are. Where are you? Waker and waking world. Are you aware that you are sometimes dreamer and you have dreams? Yes, yes. Sometimes deep sleeper and deep sleep? Yes, yes. Are you three people? No. So, the waker, dreamer, deep sleeper must be the same. What is common to all of them? Consciousness. Thank you. Yes. Um, let us quickly move on. Hold on to your questions and comments. Now a new thing is coming. Very simple. Um, I will keep moving at this speed. I hope it is alright. I am not moving too fast, no? Yes, no. Raise your hand. It's alright. Or slow down. Slow down a little bit. Uh, because I am moving fast because not only to finish but also because these things have been discussed actually in the fourth, uh, third and second chapters. Alright, let's see. You will see that um, the uh, what is given now is very understandable. I don't have to go into the details but you will see it's, it's pretty uh, simple. A new example is introduced and this is important because the chapter Alata Shanti Prakaranam takes its name from this example. So that Alata example is being introduced. What is Alata example? Let me explain before going into the example. The Alata example is firebrand. So imagine like a flaming torch, like a, like a stick with fire on the top. Now if you wave it around, you will have different patterns in a dark room or in, in, in the evening from a distance if you wave the torch around, if you whirl it around you will see circle of fire. If you move it up and down you will see a wave motion of fire. But neither there is a circle nor there is any wave, the patterns don't exist, only that point of fire, that, that little firebrand that is existing. I remember when we were kids in Diwali, so we would have this puljari, that is, uh, um, I don't know what other terms are used, it's a kind of cracker, so it's sparkler, they call it sparkler, it uh, produces little bursts of uh, fire, colourful, and we would whirl it around, and it made nice patterns. So that is the example. What's the example? Just as the firebrand, Alata, uh, you whirl it around and different patterns are produced. Similarly, consciousness uh, produces, consciousness, only consciousness being real, produces this multiplicity of experiences. 
Yes, you may say it's all in consciousness if I even if I accept. Why does this multiplicity come? Consciousness is only one. Where has this variety come from? Variety is also due to consciousness. It's because of the like the whirling of the firebrand. Now, what is the similarity between the examples? Example and the exemplified? What is the example? Firebrand and whirling it around and shapes and patterns are produced. What are they talking about? What do they want to illustrate? Consciousness and the multiplicity of the universe being produced or, or appearing. So like the firebrand, firebrand is one, but the shapes are many, many, many. Similarly, consciousness is one, but a multiplicity of um, appearances come in the universe. That's one similarity. Another similarity is the firebrand is luminous. It shines by itself and it can illumine other things also. Similarly, consciousness reveals itself, self-aware, and it illumines everything else also. Luminosity, Prakasha, Swaprakasha, there is another similarity. And Karyakarana, the firebrand is the cause of all the patterns. Circular pattern, wavy pattern, all are produced only because of firebrand. Similarly, consciousness is, because of consciousness, all these appearances are coming. And um, last, the firebrand, the fire alone is the real reality. All the patterns are not real. Fire Satyam, pattern Mithya. Similarly, consciousness alone is the reality. All the appearances are not real, not separate things. Uh, so, uh, Turiya Satya and Jagat Mithya, Brahma Satyam, Jagat Mithya. So, these are the similarities between the example and the exemplified. Just two points. It will say that, it use the word Spandana, vibration. As firebrand is whirled around, you get various shapes. As consciousness vibrates, you get the various appearances. So immediately you will say, ah, so consciousness vibrates, panda. And this, this has um, another implication. There is a whole philosophy of Kashmiri Shaivism, which says that consciousness vibrates. Spanda, there is a whole text also, spanda karika. So that is a Shaivite philosophy. So are you admitting that consciousness vibrates? No. You, are, you will not be surprised to see Godapada does not admit that consciousness vibrates. It is a way of speaking. It is because of the presence of Maya that consciousness, though one, appears to be multiple. Spanda or vibration is a way of speaking. It is not that consciousness really vibrates. At our personal level, individual level, you the Turiya, you appear as multiplicity and as experiencer, experienced doer, knower, experiencer, uh, Karta, Bhokta, Pramata. Because of the activity of the mind. Consciousness doesn't, is not active, it just shines. But because of the flickering of the mind, many vrittis coming and going, it seems as if consciousness is vibrating. In fact, that's why the Buddhist subjectivist thought that there are flashes of consciousness. No, constant consciousness shining on flashes of thought appears to be flashes of consciousness. So, there is no, no actual change in consciousness, no vibration. That is what I am trying to say. Second, did you just say that consciousness is the cause of the universe, Karya Karana, just like the uh, flame, the firebrand is the cause of the patterns. Did you say that again? That is just a way of speaking. Godapada will never admit consciousness as cause of the universe. He will, he will explain. He, um, he will say that cause actually requires two things. Causation is a relationship. Dvinishta Sambandha. Sambandha relationship is established by two terms at least. Now, fire, firebrand and pattern, are they two different things? No. 
there is no difference between the firebrand and the pattern. The patterns which emerge are because of the movement of the firebrand. So there are not two things for which there will be a, there will be a relationship. The causality is just a way of explaining this. Ultimately, causality also will be denied. Now let's read the um, verses. Now we'll easily understand the example. Just keep in mind a firebrand which is being whirled around, and that is illustrating Brahman and Jagat, consciousness and the world. Number 47. Riju Vakradika Bhasam Alatas Panditam Yatha Grahana Grahyaka Bhasam Vigyanas Panditam Tatha. As the movement of a firebrand appears to be straight or crooked, so it is the vibration of consciousness that appears to be the knower and the known. This should be simple enough. It is because of consciousness vibrating with, with footnote. Vibration does not mean vibration. Uh, because of consciousness with Maya, it appears to be knower and known. I am reminded of Swami Vivekananda's poem in that another verse is there. Another stanza. One alone exists. It appears as nature soul. That means consciousness alone exists. It appears as subject and object. Or here as knower and the known. Next. So the exa same example is continuing now. Aspandamanam alatam anabhasam majam yatha Aspandamanam vijjanam anabhasam majam tatha So when the firebrand is not in motion, it becomes free from appearances and birth. So consciousness, when not in vibration, will be free from appearances and birth. What does it mean? So if you don't whirl the firebrand around, just stop. It will shine, but the patterns will not be seen anymore. So no patterns are produced. Similarly, when consciousness is realized as it is, apart from maya, apart from the mind, you will suddenly re realize consciousness alone exists. There, these things are all the products. Now the important thing to note is the world may still continue to appear. The variety may still continue to appear. You will realize they are none other than you, the consciousness. What Punitaji said that dream, deep sleep and waking, why so much difference? Because I am troubled by the appearances. Why am I troubled by the appearances? Because I take them to be real and separate from me. I am taking the knower and known to be real. If in one consciousness is appearing as Punita and all the objects and people who are troubling her, I am the consciousness, I am not Punita. Then I will see whether they are all merging into the blankness of deep sleep or appearing in the full glory of waking. I know I am their underlying reality. If I am put back now in that African jungle or that plains and with the full knowledge that this plains and the tree and the lion and the Sarvapriyananda body are all appearances in me, the dreaming mind, I will be better prepared. I will not say I will still not be scared. If the special effects are very strong, I will still be scared of the lion who is charging. But I will be able to resist that uh, the terror. I know it is not real. Not real means it is all in my mind. Here we will have to say not in my mind, all appearance in consciousness. Let's go on. Number 49. 
अलाते स्पंदमाने वै नाभासो भुव न तथो अन्यत्र निस्पंदा नाला प्रविशंति Important point here about causality, and that's his great um, be in the bonnet for God of Father. He says the patterns which which are there when you whirl the firebrand around, have they actually come out of that fire? Do actually pattern the things called patterns emerge from the fire? No, it's an appearance caused by the movement of the firebrand. That's all. No abhas. Abhas means patterns. No patterns actually emerge from the firebrand, and when you stop the firebrand movement, do they merge back into the firebrand? No, not at all. They neither come from anywhere else. Did the patterns exist and then they came? No. Were they produced by the firebrand? No. They appeared when the firebrand was moved, and at the end, when the firebrand is stopped, did the patterns go away somewhere on vacation? No. Did they merge back into the firebrand? No. They did not exist. separately from the firebrand anyway so the the patterns neither come from outside nor are they produced by the firebrand motion the, neither do they at the end neither do they disappear into the firebrand nor do they go away anywhere else this is the mysterious nature of those patterns they are seen but there is no origination or cessation of these patterns really and they are only appearances similarly in the universe the universe is not produced from consciousness nor did it come from anywhere else and revealed by consciousness which is the scientific materialist perspective and at the end when they disappear they don't disappear back into consciousness nor do they go away anywhere else they do not disappear back into consciousness because this is an important point all the time with the religious language we are reading they come from brahman they exist in brahman they disappear back into brahman godapada saying no none of it ever happened even when it seems to be happening was the lion actually born from my mind no and at the end when i woke up did the lion come and merge back into my mind no did the lion go away to its uh, is it still there in africa no did it come from africa and then come to my mind no neither it came from outside nor was it actually produced from my mind it only appeared it is my mind alone appearing as that lion it is your you the thuri alone appearing as this tremendously diverse universe before you not one bit of it has come from other than you not one bit of it has been produced by you also appearance all throughout that's a good way of putting it but it exists it's real you may say it troubles me that existence reality is your existence and your reality you the thuri you have lent existence to that world now it troubles you so i am vivekananda said things are dead in themselves we breathe life into them then we run after them or we run away from them <laughs> dead in themselves means they are names and forms we breathe reality into them and then we run after them tempted or run away from them terrified lion then let's move on fifty न निर्गता अलाताते द्रव्यत्वा भावयोगता विज्ञानेपी तथेवस्फुरा आभासस्य विशेषता 
they did not issue out of the fire band. Who did not? Those patterns. By reason of their unsubstantiality. With regard to consciousness also, the appearances must be of similar kind. For as an appearance, there is no distinction. So the patterns did not, circle and wave patterns did not actually come out of the fire. Because they are not things. Patterns are not things. Similarly, um, the world, what is shining in, in the world which is shining in you, the consciousness. Here consciousness, see so many words are being used. Earlier he was using the word chitta, now he is using the word vijnana. He means consciousness. In consciousness, purana, that means appears. They are appearances. They did not actually emerge from you because they are not things. Then number 51-52. Then we will take a break and look at the questions and comments which have accumulated. Vijnane spandamane vai nabhasa anyato bhuvaha natato anyatra nispandam natato anyatra nispandan navigyanam vishantite so when consciousness is in vibration and remember when vibration within quotes the appearances do not come to it from anywhere else neither do they go anywhere else from consciousness when it is at rest nor do they then enter into it so i have already said this um, then number 52 na nirgataste vigyanat dravyatva bhava yogata karya karanata bhavad yato chintyasa devate they did not issue out of consciousness they means all these things in the universe including my own body and mind they did not issue out of consciousness by reason of their unsubstantiality for they are ever beyond comprehension being without any relation of cause and effect with consciousness so what are all these things we see in the universe they are not real things produced by consciousness they are not unreal also why because we experience them we are having a whole samsara festival is going on joy and sorrow and all of that so you cannot dismiss them that's why he calls them achintya so this very achintya inconceivable this later on became developed into full-fledged theory of anirvachanyata in advaita vedanta after godapada much later shankara and after that anirvachanyata means sad asadbhyam anirvachanyam you cannot express these things. Which things? Everything in the universe. You cannot express them as ultimately real. Because ultimately real is consciousness. You cannot express them as unreal. You cannot term them as unreal. Because they are experienced. They are part of your... So you have to say they are inconceivable. So, which is Maya. Exactly. Somebody commented, which is Maya. This is this achintya, little word, which Gaurapada introduces... Uh, Gaudapada does not give the technical meaning of Maya. You see, he uses Maya as magic, Maya Hasti, magical elephant. But the, the vast technical apparatus which grew around the term Maya in the centuries after Gaudapada, this little term, Achintya, inconceivable. Um, just like the lion, in our dreams also, the lion I saw and the tree I saw and all of that I saw in the dream. Were they real lion and tree? No. Were they really produced by the dreamer's mind? No. Though they did not exist at all? No, you can't say that also. Because it affected me. I still remember it. So, 
um, then we have to do how much more? So, they are beyond cause and effect and yet they appear. So, that is why they are beyond comprehension. But the point is, once you realize them in this way, it will stop troubling you. You will be free of suffering even when you are seeing them. That is the big thing. Then number 53. Okay, we will not go there now. Let me look at the comments and questions. 53 and 54, a slightly different topic. Yes. Prakyat. Swamiji, hmm. uh, first of all, I must thank you yesterday when I was asking about the fact that even though, uh, that even though um, when we are in this world and we have understood Turiya, I mean, my identity is I am no more, then what about the other jivas? So, there are no other jivas. I am also unreal and the other jivas are unreal in the sense that we are all part of that or we are that consciousness. I will just but be no, careful. Never say I am unreal. Advaita yes. Vedanta is just the opposite of Advaita Vedanta. Advaita Vedanta says you are Turiyam. See, do one of the two. Either I am, your name is Sushma? That's right. Either I am Sushma, this person in this world which is real, this is alright. Or I am the Turiyam in which Sushma and the world are appearing. Always go from smaller to the greater, from the little to the vast. If you say I am nothing, I am not real, it will lead to um, psychological problems. <laughs> and it, it, it really, it will lead to like a feeling of and I am nothing. This, some Turiya is there, Swamiji is talked, only Godapada knows what it is, but I am nothing. This much I have understood that I am nothing. No, you are everything, you are the infinite, you are that Turiya. If that is too difficult, then say at least I am Sushma, this much is true. Once we know that, then once you are Turiya, or I'm Turiya, then how, what does Sushma be doing in this world? Do I understand that you just go with the flow, whatever happens? Correct, correct, right, right, you are getting the uh, hang of it. Then it becomes a joy, it becomes your expression then. You, the Turiya, now are appearing in this grand world with Sukha Dukkha, happiness, misery, ups and downs. Sushma will live her life. It will go on for some time. After that, Sushma identity will drop off. You, the Turiya, you were Turiya, you remain Turiya, you will always be Turiya. Uh, so, that is the freedom, yes. Thank you. That Correct. Thank, Thank you. you. That's a real aha moment for me, Swami. Yes. But Swamiji, one more thing, uh, Vashishta's yoga, uh, I was reading that and I, I find that what uh, Manduka uh, is saying, Upanishad is saying, just seems to be establishing what Vashishta's yoga also Absolutely. Said. Yoga Vashishta and Manduka, they have the same message, same message, no different. Very good. Thank you. Yes, yes. Thanks. Yes. Very good. Unanji? Unanji, you have to unmute yourself. I'll move on. Nitin? Yes. Prada Maharaj. Namaskar. Yeah. So, Swamiji. <laughs> oh, go ahead. Sorry. 
Yeah. So Swamiji, according to God of Father, the waking world is also like a dream world. Yes. And he have and he has also neglected the theory of karma. Not neglected. So Not neglected. Is <laughs> like dismissed the theory. Dismissed. Of karma. Yes. So, uh, whatever I do uh, in a dream has no implication on the waking life. So, why should we follow the righteous and moral path? Who is asking? From Turiya's perspective, there is no question of uh, right and wrong, doing this and not doing that. But who is asking? If um, uh, uh, you as Poonam are asking, Poonam definitely is the Vishwa, the waker in the waking world. If you do not follow right and wrong, Punam will be affected. Are you ready to face that? And if you feel that if I do Papa and I, I might get suffering and I don't like it, then better not do Papa, better do Punya. But as Turiyam, you transcend both Papa and Punya. That is already there. You will not be affected by it. Yes. As long as we are affected. See, this is one, one point I want to make. This is something very nice I got uh, from the Tibetan Buddhists. So they are so much like us, the Shunyavada aspect, uh, approach and the Advaita approach. From the highest perspective of Turiya, these are certain things. I know that I am beyond karma. I am beyond good and evil. Knowing that I vow to keep on performing good and avoiding evil. From the highest perspective of Turiya, there is no guru, no shishya. There is no guru, there is no shishya. Knowing that I vow to give the highest respect to my Guru. Uh, knowing that I am the witness consciousness, there is no difference between meditative mind and disturbed mind. Hmm. From my consciousness, I am, I am the witness of the Turiya who sees the meditative mind and disturbed mind. Knowing that, I vow to, to continue practice of deep meditation. Like this, so many vows. And these are vows for advanced practitioners. Once you have understood, then hold on to this. Until one is fully enlightened, there is no surety. So, the danger, what Swami Atmarupanji said, the danger is always there of slipping away from this. Having known this, I vow to hold on to the right path. Mm. Good. Thank you. Nitin. Yeah, Maharaj. Uh, so, really quickly, uh, just want to hear your personal take at this. Understand, understand Godapada's take on this. But, uh, uh, so, dream is an illusory level of reality and so it's a lower level of reality than the relative. Yes. But there, so for the dream to appear, there is something going on at the relative. Yes. It's brain neurons are firing. Correct. Uh, the keys are appearing. Correct. So for this relative, which is a lower level of reality than the absolute, hmm. something has to be going on at the absolute for this to appear. Not going on. The nature of the absolute is that there is no going on there. It's a very nature. Right. You see, then why does it appear if you ask? That I know. I mean, I know your answer to that question, hmm. to the why and the cause. But uh, there can be nothing going on in the absolute. Feeling that once you had mentioned in one of your talks that Brahman is trying to experience itself hmm. because the nature of consciousness is to experience. But since Brahman is infinite, it is inexperienceable. Hmm. So consciousness trying to experience itself hmm. gives rise to this error. Just like we look right. at the sky and the dome. One thing I'll mention here. There is a causal connection between the relative and the appearance, that between the waking and the dream. Already we have done one verse there. Godapada himself says, the dream is produced by the impressions of the waking state. So the waking state actually produced the dream. Waking state is the cause and the dream is the effect. 
cause and effect relationships are admitted in um, Jagrat Swapna Sushupti. Sushupti is the ultimate cause of all of these. But Turiya has no causal link with Jagrat Swapna Sushupti. So, why Jagrat Swapna Sushupti, waking, dreaming and deep sleep are appearing and cycling, uh, don't look for a cause in the, in the absolute. From the absolute perspective, there is no cause there. There is no causal, it's absolutely cut off. There is no causal link between the absolute and the waking, dreaming, deep sleep. Within waking, dreaming, deep sleep, you can have cause and effect. Yes, Swamiji, I have a question. Yes, you have to unmute. Yeah. Hmm. This question is related to the spandana yes. of consciousness. So, can we say it's uh, actually the vibration of the mind that we can call it as Maya and then the mind is pure and calm? Correct, no correct. Uh, at the cosmic level, it is Maya. It is because of Maya that consciousness seems to have a spandana. A, a vibration. Consciousness does not vibrate from Advaita. Advaita perspective, it will be terrible to admit consciousness vibrates. Because consciousness has no change. But from, because of Maya, it seems to have changed. Sattva Rajas Tamas keeps on changing and so the world um, uh, appears because of uh, Maya and consciousness. At our level, as you said, mind keeps on changing. And therefore, consciousness feels, seems happy, sad, restless, concentrated. These are all aspects of mind. Waking, dreaming, deep sleep. These are all aspects of mind only. So, when we say three states of consciousness, not correct. Waking, dreaming and deep sleep are not three states of consciousness. They are three states of the mind. Huh. Correct. Thank you. Can you hear me? Yes. So, my question was that Gaurapada uses the theory of causality, uh, to, he custom theory of causality, causality to show his, to prove his theory. Now, how is it different from Adharupa Upavada? I see the same example being used in both places. Yes, yes. Correct, correct. So, Adharupa Upavada is a standard idea uh, of Advaita Vedanta. One sadhu said, Advait ki hai. It's the heart of the Advaitic method. What is Adhyaropa Apavada? Superimposition, desuperimposition. Swami Vivekananda called it hypnotization, dehypnotization. We are already hypnotized, and Advaita dehypnotizes us. The whole process is dehypnotization. After that, you let go, let go of the Advaitic process also. So, what is the superimposition, desuperimposition? Superimposition is law of karma, samsara, um, the physical body, subtle body, causal body, it's all superimposition. Desuperimposition, I am not the body, not the mind, I am the witness of all of this. Um, cause and effect cannot be real. When you accept cause and effect, because of that many lives are going on and have to come out of this, this is the superimposition. When you let it go, it is called desuperimposition and it will leave you as pure consciousness. So, the peculiar way of doing desuperimposition here, apavada, in Godapada is the attack on causality. It is really a very profound way of looking. So, uh, later on in Advaita Vedanta, you don't fi find this overt attack on causality. Um, they'll talk about law of karma and all of that, Maya, and then finally take up something like um, Panchakosha Viveka, Avastatra, which are like this, uh, or Drigdrishya, and they do their 
desuperimposition in that way. But here it is a direct attack on causality to show that you as pure consciousness, you have actually no connection with the appearance of the world. You, you have to be bold enough to let go of the question why. This traps you in samsara. The question why traps you in samsara. I will give you a little insight, short insight but very valuable. All sadhana ultimately asks you to let go of causality. Notice, highest bhakti is what? Ahetu ki bhakti. I love without any condition. No give and take. I will not ask for mukti, nothing. I will just love and nothing else. That is love beyond causality. There is no logic to that love. Look at karma yoga. Karma is give and take. I will do, I will get the result. Good, good, bad, bad. But karma yoga? You give up that causality. I will continuously, unselfishly keep on giving, give, give and never look back. Dao, dao, pire nahi chao. Swami Vivekananda says, keep on giving, never look back. Why? The moment you look back, you are trapped in causality. Look back means to see how much I have done, how great I am. One who looks back, he says his ocean dwindles into a drop. Shindu bindu hai jaita. He says, Swami Vivekananda. Then look at your meditation, Raja Yoga. The highest samadhi, up to Savikalpa Samadhi with effort. Dharana, Dhyana, Samadhi can be achieved. Lot of effortness. But from there to Nirvikalpa, it is effortless. It will happen by itself. No cause and effect will work there. And Jnana, of course, is Turiya beyond cause and effect. Notice in every yoga, at one point you have to go beyond causality. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Then, Ram Maharaj. Yes. Um, I think I know what your answer will be, but I thought I'll still want to hear your thoughts because I am confused. Um, so there is a temptation to say compare uh, something like Spandan in Kashmiri Shaivism with you know the latest theory in physics, say super strings and all, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think you will say it is false equivalency. Um, can you just? Um, I think that's what you will say. Like you cannot compare that Spandan in Kashmiri Shaivism with, with the super strings or some theory like super strings. Can you just say why is that not? As, uh, I mean, I asked this question to, uh, you know, Brian Green, who is this cosmologist um, who has written this elegant universe. There are PBS documentaries also. He's a professor of cosmology in uh, Colombia. You heard of Brian Green? Yes, you told me about him and ever since I actually been uh, reading his uh, stuff, World Science Festival and all, it's quite amazing. What yeah, and his latest book is Until the End of Time, about con it, ah, consciousness and meaning and all of that. Anyway, so I asked this question, exactly what you asked, I asked and he said he had these debates long ago with his elder brother who is a monk, uh, a Hindu monk, uh, he's a monk in the ISKCON. So his point is, there are exactly like you. He said, I admit there are similarities. He said this, but I find them like poetic echoes of science. So what you have got in uh, Vedas, he doesn't know much about Vedanta. He said, what you have got in the Vedas are uh, uh, like poetic echoes. They are not science. So they are like poetic echoes and maybe they are pointing to the same thing. They have got it right. But uh, yeah, it's not, and he's right there. It's, it's not a scientific uh, paper, let's say. We'll leave it yeah. at that. I guess I'm trying to force... Um, to reconcile them and that's and, where... And so I am very cautious about that. But remember, you are right. Swami Vivekananda was himself very interested in this. What you are saying. 
he went to Tesla with these questions and he had discussions with Tesla. Tesla said, he writes uh, in a letter, Swami Vivekananda, I'm going to meet uh, Tesla uh, and we are going to have a discussion. He has said he can prove the theories of Sankhya mathematically. Which means Swami Vivekananda was very invested in this at that time, more than 100 years ago. Between, uh, with this similarity between Sankhya, Vedanta, modern physics, cosmology and so on. We'll leave it at that. Let me just do a couple of more verses bring it to a sort of logical conclusion, we will see again what questions are there. 53. Dravyam dravyasya hetusyat anyad anyasya chaivahi dravyatvam anyabhavova dharmanam nopapadyate A substance can be a cause of a substance and one thing can be the cause of another different thing from itself. But the souls can be considered neither as substances nor as something different from other things. The same point. What is the point here? The point is this. Cause and effect are two independent things. So parents and child. So parents have produced the child. And then there can be a relation of cause and effect between them. We don't normally say, uh, you, uh, you know, we say hi dad. You don't say hi cause. And you don't say take care effect. <laughs> you don't say that. You, take, you say, take care son or daughter. So, but what you mean is that cause and effect are two independent things. Parents are separate and independent. After birth of the child, child is also separate and independent. And there is a link of cause and effect between them. But here, in the case of firebrand and the patterns, or in the case of consciousness and the appearances, they are not two independent things. All these souls, these jivas are actually one consciousness. They are not apart from each other. They are not separate. And they are not independent existing things between which there can be cause and effect relationship. Neither are the objects separate from the, the consciousness between which there can be cause and effect. Nor is the consciousness separate from each other between different jivas. So there can be really no cause and effect between consciousness and the universe or between the jivas themselves. This much. Then the last one today. That brings to a close this kind of discussion. Number 54. Evam na chitta ja dharma chittam vapina dharma jam evam hetu phala jatim pravishanti manishinaha. Beautiful verse. In this way, external entities are not the products of consciousness, nor is consciousness a product of external entities. Thus the wise confirm the birthlessness of cause and effect. What is said here? What is the relationship between matter and consciousness? Matter and consciousness. Objects and consciousness. One theory. Consciousness is, project, is produced by objects, by, by matter. Whose theory is it? Modern science. Materialistic reductionist science says... In the Big Bang, after the singularity became a Big Bang, matter, energy as we know it, space and time were there. And over time, the um, stars uh, came about and the planets cooled down and then matter uh, became organic matter. The organic matter, somehow it became living matter and this living matter became more and more evolved on earth at least and became sophisticated brains and nervous systems and there somehow consciousness originated. So consciousness much later, byproduct, epiphenomenon. Bill Conrad here, he says, 
Human beings, human consciousness is an afterthought in the universe. So for him, matter is all important. So matter, which is now called Bill Conrad, said that matter alone, I am matter only. And consciousness is just by, byproduct, uh, is an afterthought. That is, matter is primary. He says, see, 1400 years ago, he says, some people say matter is primary, consciousness is produced by matter. Uh, what was the language? Um, Chittam vapi dharmajam. So, the very old language. Here again is back to using the word chittam for consciousness. So, consciousness is a product of matter. That's one theory. Another theory says matter is a product of consciousness. Just the opposite. Who says that? All religions, theistic religions say that. God produced the universe. So, this God is conscious or unconscious? Of course, God is conscious. Who says God will be unconscious? So, that means consciousness produced matter, energy, time, space. Religion, theistic religion says consciousness was first and it produced. What does Gaudapada say? Both are wrong. Neither consciousness was produced by matter nor matter was produced by consciousness. Consciousness alone always existed, is there and will be there and you are that consciousness. This kind of thinking using the example of dream, magic elephant, firebrand, by this kind of reasoning, he says, Manishinaha, the wise have gone beyond the thinking of cause and effect. You know, matter producing consciousness or consciousness producing matter, no. But they see consciousness as the fundamental reality and are free of samsara. Okay. Abhijit had one more question. Abhijit? Yes. Uh, you, you said uh, earlier that uh, the ways of desuperimposition can... Uh, Panchakosha Viveka or Avastatra, etc., they can be turned into a practice, the sadhana. Yes. How is Gaudapada's attack on causality for decomposition, how can we turn that into a sadhana or a practice? This is very advanced. So, what, what happens is, once you realize yourself as the consciousness, Turiya, how? First chapter, waking, dreaming, deep sleep, appear, come and go, I am the fourth. I am not waker, not dreamer, not deep sleeper, I am the fourth. By avastatra vichara, when you realize that, then still remains the question of what's all this? There you have to overcome causality. That this is something apart from me, has been produced from me, there is a reason behind it. No. Godapada. See, Advaita, traditional teaching of Advaita stops with Maya. Godapada goes beyond that also. He asks, why Maya? Then he comes to the whole question of causality itself. And he sees causality is false. So there is no answer to the question why. Not because we don't know. Because as Swami Vivekananda simply says, question itself is wrong. Why is the question wrong? Because causality is wrong. Why is causality wrong? We read fourth chapter. So you are pointing to these two moments of Advaita which you, are, you had mentioned before. One moment is knowing that I am... And I'm not all of this, and then the second movement is going there. Yes. No other. Yes. Actually, both movements are accomplished in the first chapter itself. You will notice um, separation of the consciousness from everything is done by Avastatraya. But remember, at that same time, Avastatraya also includes um, Virat, Hiranyagarbha, and Ishvara, which is the cosmic dimension. So the entire cosmos is also absorbed into Turiya there. But these are little details left to be found out because the question will still remain to us, you know, why, how, 
what is the link between me, the consciousness and all of this? The answer by Gaudapada is, flush all these ideas out. <laughs> they are all products of a, mis, uh, of, of a misleading notion of causality. So, so this implies that the causality which we perceive everywhere and or everywhere is just a complete randomness. It's just the play of mind which is um, the impression of causality. Ultimately, yes. But be careful. Within the Vyavaharika, please hold on to causality. Otherwise, disaster yeah. will be there. Ah. Uh, randomness or uh, accident is a dangerous path to go down. Yeah, yeah. So, the way is this, in religion, in civilization, spirituality, way is from not understanding causality, instinctive action at the level of animal or children, absolutely babies or something, then understanding of causality, this leads to that. Uh, superior understanding of causality is karma. Not only physically this leads to that, but morally also. From there to realization, when you abandon causality also. But in the beginning one cannot abandon causality. One must learn through causality. Then go beyond causality. So karma is first. First is instinctive level. Then one uses karma to become a good, religious, dutiful uh, person in the world. And then having refined oneself, ready for, for spiritual realization, one engages in the higher sadhana, which I mentioned, all higher sadhana, not just Gaudapada, all higher sadhana actually cuts down causality. One must go beyond this. Swami Vivekananda uses the term shopkeeping religion. I'll give you this, you give me that. Beyond the shopkeeping religion, that is beyond causality. Very good. I think we should end here. Of, uh, co uh, questions in the chat, if I can read just them. read them out. Yes. I am struggling with the firebrand metaphor. It seems that what is created in time is being used to negate what is created in space. The second, if there is no spandana, waving action of the firebrand equals Maya. Correct. We just discussed that. That's it. Hmm. Waving action of the firebrand equals Maya. Yes. Correct. Yes. Um, struggling with the firebrand metaphor, what is created in time is being used to negate what is created in space. Mm, I have to think about that, uh, Rakesh ji. <laughs> Alright, let us uh, end it here today and we'll, we'll take it up oh, tomorrow. We have time tomorrow. Om Shanti 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 Harihi Om Tat Sat Shri Ram Krishna Rupanamastu